All right, welcome to the fifth, I think, episode of Inappropriate Earl. This is a podcast where we interview all types from the entertainment world, athletes, comics, MMA fighters, porn stars, uh, people who have absolutely nothing to do with the entertainment business. You know, we just want to get a nice cross-section of people, and today is going to be a legendary day in the inappropriate Earl world because we have our very first WWE superstar in the house, Mr. Ryan Nemeth. Earl, thanks for having me. I'm not sure if I should be standing or sitting. Is no, have a seat. Have a okay. seat on the uh, luxurious couch. That's uh, you might find a few dog bones in there, but that's all right. As long as the, that's the only kind of bone I'll be sitting on. Well, my bone has been probably right about where you're sitting. Oh, perfect. You might be the most famous person I've had on this podcast. So. I think that that is one of the first times I've ever heard that. It, well, it's you good, know, it's, it's a good feeling. I've had a few unknown comics on the show. I've had uh, well, Jeff Richards from Saturday Night Live. Okay. And then uh, we had a UFC recap, which uh, it just had two of my friends on it who nobody knows. I could probably kick both their asses. You probably could. You yeah. might be the toughest guy I'll ever have on this show outside of... Uh, Yourself. Up- I mean, I'm not... Um, I have no reflexes. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I look weird. Like, you've seen me at the gym. You know I can lift weights. You can lift a lot, more weight than I've seen most humans lift. And I don't really look like it. Like, you look m- in much better shape than I do. Ah, uh, thanks. I've been waiting for to hear something like that. But you do, though. Like, I lift enormous amounts of weight. Huge. mountain Mountains of weights. Like, uh, shoulder uh, flies with the whole stack. Yeah, the 150-pounders, one-arm, shoulder, lateral raises, yep. With my ass off the chair, my back arched, one foot it's off like the ground. The skin on your face is going to tear off because you're just making that face. And you do half the weight. <laughs> that's that's being uh, generous. Maybe a, a small fraction of that weight, I think. But your shoulders look twice the size of mine. Thanks, thanks. Now, are you natural? Now, I, we're going to get into it right off the bat here. I mean, you know, uh, your your business, your sport, mm-hmm. uh the mortality rate is pretty high. You know, a lot of good people uh, move on to the heavens. At the time of this podcast, I am still alive. I want that to be known. And how old are you? I uh, just turned 29. 29, so you got about 10 years left. 10 more, <laughs> 10 more years. I'm going to make it. I'm make these next 10 my best 10, I think. I, well, you might. I mean, they. there was a list of famous wrestlers who passed away before 50. Well, you know what? I might not be famous enough to be on such in that category, so I, that might help me out. I could live long. It might be 15 for me. But I would say you're on the fame level right now of, say, Louis Spicoli, who was, uh, <laughs> you know, a great WCW character. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if he was on steroids or not. I'd like to be on the level of the other Spicoli from... Uh, Jeff Spicoli. From Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Sean Penn. And I'm a, more of a fan of his brother. You know, there's a sequel to Fast Times not a lot of people know about. That's why you have this podcast, to enlighten the masses who don't know this kind of stuff. And it's probably why I have very few views, because I'm talking about a sequel that nobody knows about from 25 years ago. But that small little demographic, 
that's gonna be you know what you might not have the views of say i don't know cabana or, or whoever but you'll have the quality viewers but i will though one day legions be, of followers because here's how it works when this airs on itunes you send out a tweet oh yeah maybe uh your brother would be so nice to send out a tweet and then another wrestler like mr morrison he sends out a tweet i don't think he knows how to use twitter very well well he's got a lot of followers so i don't care if he knows how to use it or not get his password and just get his password and i'll take over yeah you just run the account and then morrison sends it out and then maybe uh the miz sends it out although he doesn't seem uh he's a nice guy but he he didn't uh you you know i know he's from cleveland as well where you are from, correct? Yes, that is correct. Now tell, what was your athletic background before you got into pro wrestling? I was an amateur wrestler, a very average amateur wrestler in high school. And uh, I, I played rugby at Xavier University following that. And uh, I guess that's the extent of my athletic background. Uh, always been very interested in weight and strength training. Since I was a little tyke. And it shows. Thank you. Um, now, was your brother... Your brother's older? He's older, yeah. Now, for those of you listening who might not be wrestling fans and you're just a fan of mine, which I highly doubt, <laughs> Ryan's brother is the... Mostly vi- like uh, middle-aged, supple women, right? Who's uh, Middle-aged uh, slobs. Um <laughs> You know, uh, I'm trying to think of my target fan base. Uh, gay men. Potential uh, serial murderers. Yeah, I mean, guys who will be on the next Amber Alert. Um, guys who think that Kane and The Undertaker are actually brothers and have supernatural powers. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, Kamala, guys that think uh, Kamala's from Africa. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys who wear Ed Hardy in Affliction shirts. You know they say that we're originally we're all from Africa. Well, I yeah, hopefully uh well, it's possible. I mean, technically if you believe in God, we all came from Jesus. So we're all brothers. I don't think that's at all. <laughs> he he had so many children and we were all But I mean, it all started basically with Adam and Eve. So everyone's right. related. I mean, I was imagining this Jesus just asexually reproducing thousands of and having little eggs and they all hatch and that's where we all come from i mean it's possible that's where the eggs on easter sunday come from well actually i think they come from big lots and uh on uh sepulveda and van nuys but uh, that's a local reference for you southern california folks isolating everyone who doesn't live around here well i think uh i've already isolated enough people why not just go full tilt all right so and we're going to promote this show it's just like that shampoo commercial. You tell two people, they tell two people, yep. then they tell two people. I, I mean, could wear a sandwich board and stand on Santa Monica right in front of uh, like the Abbey or something. Well, you do that. Um, I'll take AIDS for 500 Alex. Uh, now, let's get into gays in pro wrestling. Oh, uh, great. Well, no, I it, I don't judge. I know one recently came out the the uh, the, the black wrestler Darren Young. Yeah, that's right. Now, how is a you know that I would say that wrestling, and I'm asking you this not I'm not necessarily telling you this. Uh, wrestling is a very a macho sport in the locker room. How does a openly gay wrestler go over with, as they say, the boys? Um, well, I 
think it's like everything else these days. Uh, times have changed. Uh, people's perceptions of what is acceptable and not acceptable has changed. Uh, I think for the better. I think all around our world is more uh, open to someone having a different, you know, what they used to call alternative lifestyle. So I'm thinking of, in my experience, in and out of WWE, I'm thinking of people that I, I knew were gay men involved in wrestling. And uh, and were there more, are there more than Darren Young? Oh, absolutely. Just, uh, I mean, it's, it's the same as in any sport or any profession, you know. Uh, I wouldn't say that... Well, I don't know. I guess uh, I've never ex seen any any bad treatment of anyone who is openly gay or rumored to be gay. Uh, From the wrestlers yeah, themselves. The wrestlers themselves in the locker room, it's always been very uh, friendly and accepting. And that goes for in WWE and uh, outside of WWE, other, other organizations. Now, more importantly, though, how do the fans, I can't imagine some of the heckles that, say, Mr. Young gets now. Um, I was already, uh, not with WWE by the time he made that announcement, so I can't speak to that personally. Did you ever do a show with him? Uh, I was on shows with him in Florida, yeah. And it, was it known, uh... No. Oh, so he was, like, very, uh, quiet was, about uh, it. Yeah, when that announcement was, uh, uh, a surprise to a lot of people. Yeah. Now, where, where did you... But, so, th but that's not the first thing on my mind. When I when I met him, I guess I was thinking, wow, this guy's pretty jacked, you know, cool, he's nice to me, and I'm new here, great, we're on the same show. But my mind was so focused on myself and my own career that I'm not just looking around a room and going, who's gay, who's not gay? <laughs> right. But, I mean, you must, it almost, must be like, uh, you I must... I do that now, but back then... <laughs> well, of course. That. I mean, I do that in the comedy world every night. Um, and, and is it the same with, uh, let's just say, pharmaceutical enhancements? Do you wonder... Who's on them? Who's not on them? Uh, when I was in WWE, the testing was so strict and regimented that if if somebody's on something in that company, I don't know how the hell they're doing it because they test uh, more frequently, and I think the, the test is more strict than the the Olympic testing facilities and all that. So I don't know. I get if you're slipping one past them, you must be a magician somehow. Right. Well, I mean, I was told by a friend of mine who. Uh, because I look at some of the UFC fighters, and they're sure. they're pretty jacked, uh, especially uh, w one uh, heavyweight who, uh, in 2003, uh, he fought Chuck Liddell, and he looked like Roger from What's Happening, and uh, now he's like 270 pounds and like looks like uh, you know the Incredible Hulk. You might be on that uh, that vegan diet where you get real. Real oh. big and shredded. Oh, is is that the Alistair Overeem way of? Uh, I, well, it's possible. Listen, my mom said you can never accuse someone of being something unless you're in the room with them. Um, but you know, when you're in your late thirties and have acne all over your back, I, I mean, I don't know. That might be a sign. Puberty comes in many forms. I bet, I but a lot of things come uh, in many forms in a wrestling locker room. So you're. Rugby at Xavier University. What gets you the wrestling bug? Your brother? You say because he was. I'm assuming wrestling before you were. Absolutely, he was. He uh, excelled in high school and college. He wrestled for Kent State, and uh, I believe, as far as I remember, the only reason he ever amateur wrestled at all was because he wanted to be uh, in the WWF. At the WWE. time. Yeah. And there's a funny story my dad tells where he took him to his first wrestling practice when he was five, and he walked in, and he saw all these kids wrestling on mats, and he goes, Dad, what, what is this? Where's the ring? And 
because he's what he's what I want right. to do this. I want to do real big time wrestling. Uh, yeah, I, I was going. I was attending Xavier, and my freshman year was right when my brother got picked up and got sent to train at OVW in Louisville. So that's an hour away from where I was going to school. So Wednesday nights they would film their TV tapings, and OVW is the official developmental territory for WWE. That's Ohio Valley, Ohio Valley wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, guys like Randy Orton, Cena, Brock Lesnar, Batista—they all train there. Mark Henry, all those guys. And uh, I would go down there on Wednesday nights and watch him wrestle, and I uh, was just mesmerized because I've been to the big shows. I've been to Raw, the pay-per-view, SmackDowns, all that, and it's a spectacle. Of course, if you've been to one, you know it. Sure. But seeing the, the the tiny little show in front of the you know hundred maybe a couple hundred screaming uh, Southern Louisville fans, and like knowing in my head this is where the next John Cena or The Rock is coming from. This they're shaping these guys and they're traveling all around these weird hillbilly towns, trying to get over in front of these crowds, and you can feel it. And it was such a like everyone just trying to make it. It was that kind of feeling. I imagine maybe. For, for stand-up, when you're first starting out, it's kind of like that, maybe. I don't know, but it was such a thing. I'm like, man, this is... And every week, I would go to see it, and they would come to Cincinnati, do little house shows, and I would go to see those and feel the same thing. And uh, I was involved in improv and theater and writing a lot throughout college. I was spending the summers in Chicago doing improv. And so I was finishing up school, and I was thinking, what do I do? Do I follow this one or that one? And I kind of was pulled in both ways. And uh, eventually I made my way to OVW and started working there and thought, yeah, you know what? Good. This is a good move. Now, is it hard uh, knowing that your brother was established? And not even at that point, but he was still, I'm sure, one of the top guys, um, prospects. Is it hard being related to someone who's kind of got a little heat already because then they look at you as like, do you have to prove yourself that much more? Yeah. some. I remember when I was... Uh, First starting out, people saying, oh, it must be easy because your brother's on TV and he's a champion. And it was, and it was way harder because when I showed up in Louisville, the, the trainers there, would, they know who you're related to and they know you you can't half-ass it. They expect twice as much from you if they know what your brother did. So right. there's no favors handed out at all, um, whether in OVW or especially not in WWE. Oh, God, especially not in WWE. Right. You know, I don't watch the product as much as I used to, although I did watch it last Monday. Mm -hmm. Old school Raw. Right? Old school Raw. You know, they had uh, a couple of my favorites from the past. I could have done without the too sexy segment, but, I mean, <laughs> I don't think uh, I was consulted. Uh, I was hoping for an Ultimate Warrior uh you know, you're hoping for that every time you go anywhere. I think when you go to the grocery store, you're hoping to see him show up. Well, I met him, and he was nice to me. I was warned that the Ultimate Warrior, or I guess his name's Warrior. Literally, his name is Warrior. It's a good move. Now you think, wow, that's pretty stupid. A guy copywriting his name and changing it to that name. That's no, that's a great idea. But in a way, it's kind of genius. But it's like his kids' names are like. Like, when they go to grade school, it's like Johnny Warrior. Like, Johnny Warrior, are you here today? I mean, that's... I think he's not doing his kids any favors. Or is he? I mean, that's... You know, if a kid plays football or something, that's a great thing to be on the jersey. He just says Warrior. Right. With the little uh, face paint. Yep. When I was a member of One Warrior Nation in WCW. I got the t-shirt. If they do a, a, a movie about him, I think you would... You would, you know, might be a good uh, 
I could play him as like an eight-year-old. <laughs> or Scott Hall, the Scott Hall story, which is, you know, kind of sad because to me, Scott Hall was the the poster boy for male heterosexuality. I mean, just, yeah, hey, yeah. yo. I mean, what? That's it. That's all you need to know. Hey, I mean, what a body on that guy. And now, you know, he's, he's maybe not, you know, if you've seen the ESPN. Uh, well, he's, he's bouncing back. He's doing DDP yoga. Yeah, DDP is all over the place, man. He is. Man, DDP was responsible for one of the great moments in uh, wrestling history. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, when Holberg, Holberg, when uh, Hulk Hogan actually jobbed for once in his life to Goldberg to put him over, DDP walked out with Carl Malone, <laughs> and Carl Malone gave Kurt Hennig the diamond cutter. And yep. Kurt, to this day, was the best sell job of any move ever. If you YouTube, uh, I guess, Ho Hogan Goldberg, it, watch how Mr. Perfect reacts when he got the diamond cutter from a pro basketball player. He you, know, looked, you know, he that could be an instance where he wasn't selling, and it was just that powerful coming from him. It was just like... It electroshocked his body. Yeah, it was great. Now, are there guys in your world who are known for selling well? Uh, yes, especially guys in my family, yeah. Is Ooh. your brother known for, like... Yeah, absolutely. And then are there guys who are known... I know they said, in some cases, The Undertaker, if he doesn't like you. And I'm not asking you to talk bad about anyone, but he might not... Uh, the Undertaker and, say, Triple H might not sell if they're not uh, in, you know close with you. Or, or is that um, true? That there's cases where, uh, in order to get someone who's been established or has uh, an air about them to work, cooperate with you in a ring, you need to prove yourself. So, I remember when I first showed up at any uh, promotion I worked uh, worked for, OVW, FCW, NXT. Anytime it was like a, a new, different place, you always had to kind of prove yourself a little bit, and if someone doesn't want to work with you, you kind of stick it to him a little bit and let him know, oh, you don't want to? Well, you're, you're going to. Right. And then, like, oh, okay, all right, and then we can be on the same page. Like in the first season of, uh, was the Tough Enough? Was that the uh, WWE show? Uh, I think it was called Tough Enough. Something like that, yeah. Uh, or maybe it was the second season that they showed uh, Bob Holly, like. Oh, I remember. I, I did watch when Bob Holly was on, yeah. Kicking a guy in the face on, on purpose. Mm-hmm. And telling the guy to get up, I mean, it was clear he was trying to teach them a lesson. Like, Well, there's people like that, uh, I hope, who are dying out. Right. Not, not physically dying, but I hope that kind of mentality. Well, that's probably going to happen sooner or later. Because it's a different business. It's not the same business Bob Holly grew up in, you know? Uh, right. How is it different? Um, like, what you deal with to say what... Uh, a guy like Bob Holly, or uh, you know, when Rowdy Piper was like in the eighties. Let me think. Uh, these guys that are in WWE right now are now in on such an insane schedule that deliberately hurting someone to prove a lesson, you are helping no one do anything. You are, in my opinion, an idiot. Like uh, Mr. Kennedy was known to be. Uh, Maybe not the uh, like dangerous in the ring, and uh, I can't not personally attest to that. I do like watching him though; he's one of my favorites. Oh, I love him. Another guy I saw when I used to go watch OVW, Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I think after his series of matches with Randy Orton, where he injured him, 
you know, it's a, a dangerous worker. Well, uh, it's not looked upon highly in the, by the uh, higher ups, correct? Maybe. Or there's people that, who are known to be super dangerous and stiff who are somehow catapulted to main event spots on Raw every week, and you think, wait a second, if that rule applied to him, how come it doesn't to him? Well, well there's, there's no rule book, and it's, I don't know. It's still, there's it's not a real sport where you can say he has the most yards per game. Let's, you know, it's right. It's phony. So, so you're so, but well, that, sometimes those rules apply and sometimes they don't. It depends who you are, I guess. Well, I guess you know I'm not asking you. I, I'm just throwing this out there into the wrestling universe. Like uh, you take a guy like say the great Kali, who uh, probably doesn't know his own strength. I I don't think you could. I don't think it's possible if you're him to know your own strength. But if he hits you, like he he seems like the type as a fan that he would be stiff in the ring just because he's not. He, Jesus Christ, you you can't be that big and be like mobile or like uh, athletic. Yeah, there's extreme cases of someone that big or whatever, and even if they try to be nice, it's still gonna hurt just because they're so big and there's no way it can't. You know, like when he does the flare chop. Oh my God. I mean. Didn't you have a friend who wrestled him and said it was the hardest? I had a friend who had a series of matches with him who told me no matter what the case is, no matter what that guy does, he is so big that it is it hurts so much and his hands feel like frying pans hitting you. So, well, I mean, how tall is he? Uh, really, really, really tall? Like so, over seven feet, legitimately. I think he's somewhere around there. I'm not exactly sure. And, like, have you ever wrestled with Mark Henry? Uh, I... I was in a training seminar that he was a part of, and he, a little bit, like a, a few minutes. Did he pick you up? He didn't pick me up, but he, he put me down a couple times. <laughs> I mean, what does that feel like? A guy, I mean, Mark Henry, one of the world's strongest men, and that's legitimate. Um, like a, a smaller kind of polar bear, I guess. It, I mean, that guy has the biggest head I've ever He's seen in so my life. Big, yeah. I mean, if he was riding shotgun with Kennedy that day, Kennedy would still be alive. I mean, that is a massive head. <laughs> and but he seems like he would like have some sort of athletic uh, prowess where absolutely he would know not to. Okay, don't hit this guy here. I mean, the great Khali just seems like Bam Bam from the Flintstones. Bam Bam, I haven't thought about Bam Bam in a while. Well, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, uh, rest in peace. Well, uh, professional wrestling is athletic, but it's also showmanship. It's entertainment, and sometimes legitimate fighting isn't fun to watch because if you watch uh, collegiate wrestling, some people really enjoy it, but some people look at it and go, it's just two guys grabbing each other, and it's so boring. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's evolved into be a, a, a big show, and... If you want a punch to look good, you'll make it look good. You both have to make it. It's I don't know. You want to uh, make it as big as possible to everyone, in, even in the really bad seats or everyone on camera, right. the people watching at home. So if you're good at that, you I think eventually you write, you know you get higher and higher. And those who are not good at that hopefully get weeded out or learn to get good at that. Now, this is something I want to know. I'm a big UFC fan. My dog's about to bite into a Chewy, and that's not good for podcast sound. Um, <laughs> this is a, kind of a low-budget production right now. Um, the dog is actually credited as producer on this show, right? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, She's the one that's going to put it up on iTunes, and uh, this is Lois, the... Uh, Completely I, naked dog, by the way, not wearing yeah. a shirt or pants. I think she was conceived at a gangbang. She's got like 12 different dogs in she her. She acts like it, yeah. Yeah, but she likes you. I mean, she doesn't like everyone. 
Now, here's a question for you. Now, I'm asking from a fan's perspective. Like, Brock Lesnar goes, does the UFC. Maybe he didn't do so well in his last few fights. Mm-hmm. Goes back to the WWE. How is you, as a booker, let's just say, do you book him to be this unbeatable monster when people are going to remember his UFC fights where he, his last two fights he didn't do well? I mean, how do you, like, do you think wrestling fans separate the two uh sports um i think wrestling fans have a very short memory right oh absolutely and uh wwe loves to only remind you of things they want you to remember such as him being a ufc champion oh and he was and i'm not talking uh, i mean i think brock lesnar uh his athletic resume is insane i mean uh national champ in college ufc champ Shot up the ranks in WWE faster probably than anybody. I think he went from OVW to Monday Night Raw faster than anyone. Great look. I mean, became champ there. Uh, that's that's the character. Well, okay. Then you have people uh, who are booked as uh, technical uh, competitors like Daniel Bryan, but their resume outside of pro wrestling doesn't exist. So. What was he before he was wrestler? As far as I know, he's just been professional wrestling probably his whole life. So, oh, okay. I don't know. You know, it's different. And he doesn't fit the typical uh, WWE champion uh, look. I mean, usually they're bigger guys. Yeah, right. And, I mean, that's kind of... Does that um, give someone like you who's maybe... I mean, you're a big dude. I mean, to me, you're a big dude. But, like, does it give, uh, like, guys who don't look like Batista hope that oh I, I can be champ too i mean absolutely yeah guys like him uh even cm punk uh guys who aren't just giant enormous monsters my brother was somehow world champ twice and he's kind of on the smaller side chris jericho even right Rey mysterio yeah uh when people say there's a typical kind of idealistic wwe champ of yeah, I guess, but there's been so many examples where that's not the case that, I don't know, is there really? Well, I mean, you know, let's go over the TNA champs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Is TNA still around? Please rescue Sting, someone from TNA. And, My and... best friend in the whole world, Ethan Carter III, beat Sting on TNA. EC3. I just want to... Is he black or white? I don't even... I... He is white, and he is Dixie Carter's nephew. Oh, so let me ask you a serious question. I competed with him on the pilot episode of NXT. I defeated him. And so I guess you could say that I beat Sting. But using the transitive property, I defeated Sting. But let me ask you this. Is he really Dixie Carter's nephew? Or is it kind of like when Eugene was supposed to be Bischoff's uh, nephew? You know, he really wasn't. When he says he's Dixie Carter's nephew, I believe him. Whether fans do or his biological parents do i mean oh well that listen who knows what's real in wrestling i mean believe it enough it's real oh absolutely i mean i really thought that uh sid vicious came from parts unknown for three years i looked on the map well well a lot of people come from parts unknown the ultimate warrior did it must be a popular place it's it's uh they have a great feeder system for pro wrestling in parts unknown. It went right, right when you're old enough to walk, they start training you. I think. Uh, yeah, it's like the Dominican Republic for uh, baseball, <laughs> baseball players. Yeah. Parts unknown. Uh, I'm still looking for it. If anyone, uh, when this airs, if anyone knows where that is, just uh, tweet 
uh, at E Skakel, Earl Skakel. I, I can't even get my right Twitter handle, E A R L S K A K E L. We're going to give out all of Riley's plugs, butt plugs, Twitter plugs, mm-hmm. um, all of them. You know, all that in a few minutes. But, you know, we're now getting into the real we're meat. We're getting the nitty gritty now. Well, see, this show has no format. We're going to go, you know, we're just going to jump all over the place. We're going to talk about ring rats uh, next. Uh, Ring rats are, uh, you know, in the comedy world, they call uh, whores uh, chuckle fuckers. Um, That I just learned. Yeah. It's an educational show. Well, not really, but uh, it's probably educational on how not to do a podcast, but... uh, (laughs) You know, hey, we're having fun, and I see wrestling fans are my target audience. I see your uh, all your computer equipment is being powered by a very elderly hamster running on a very old wheel. Oh yeah, we we are the TNA of podcasts here. Uh, we are just just struggling week by week to get this thing. Vince Russo is booking the podcast. That's Ooh. an inside uh, joke for you wrestling fans, but uh, you know, it, it's uh, wrestling fans are my target audience because. They're the type that buy the John Cena wristbands. You can hopefully see. the Briley Pierce t-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com. Please, Riley. let's do a plug mid-podcast. You have a couple t-shirts. Uh, where can people buy them? People can buy my t-shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com. Briley. Um, I have a couple selections on there. Uh, there's one with a duck. It says quack for Briley. There's some that are much more vulgar than that. But either way, I think whoever you are, age, gender, you look great in them. Yeah, you got to support a young upcoming wrestler. You know, John Cena don't need the money. He he doesn't need another 10 bucks when you buy his You Can't See Me wristbands. He wears my shirts to bed. I think he sleeps in my blessed shirt. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that, and I hope that he makes another movie. I mean, uh, I don't know what's stiffer, his acting or the great Khali's chops, but uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, if they showed a John Cena film at the Holocaust, those people would have jumped in on the ovens. They said, I can't oh, take this. All right, all right, we're getting... Uh, I've t- I, I love John Cena. Listen, I, I saw the first movie with Robert Patrick, the bad guy from Terminator. It was good. Scariest villain to me. Robert Patrick? Oh, my God. Well, he actually wasn't scared. He was like, how am I acting with John Cena in this thing? Someone, where's my manager? Oh, I, I meant in, uh, in T2. Oh, I, well, I meant in the John Cena okay, movie. Right. I mean, uh, no, I'm just kidding, John. If you're out there listening to this and everything's cool, that show Total Divas is... Doing really well. I know, and it's crazy because it's so phony. Like... It, Hey, we're we're gonna have the girl who dates the big bald Arab guy talk about her pussy, because uh, they can't have sex or something. It's like what this? They're going to the gynecologist. It's like oh, there's a camera in the gynecologist's offices. Why wouldn't there be? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, standard you know, practice that uh, in doctor examination rooms, there's always cameras there. But I think reality shows uh, help. Uh, you know, like the the tough enough show. I love that show when mm-hmm. when uh, it was just like the first season or two, uh, and then I think they had one uh, maybe about a year or two ago, and uh, it was a pretty thin talent pool that they had. Uh, one of my friends from uh, Cleveland wrestling scene, Matt Cross, was on that on that uh, season. I remember the black guy, kind of a tall black guy, who didn't seem to like pain. Uh, Eric Watts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he wrestles around here still in uh, California scene. 
but he didn't you know he was like you could tell they were trying to like make him the focus because he had a great look you know nice body and uh kind of he kind of looked like uh like maybe a, a tony atlas uh you know rocky johnson type you know but right. taller uh very tall yeah i remember and uh you know but uh, i i would imagine in in the pro wrestling world if you don't like uh pain it's probably not the business for you that is a true sentence because <laughs> everyone can tell me how much they know it's fake and how they know it's choreographed and i know it's all phony and they can tell me that all they want but it doesn't take away how much it hurts so bad everything hurts so much i mean even a flare chop i don't know what the technical term for that is i just i think that's it because everyone who does, every time, like, if you were to do it to your brother on Raw tonight, it, people would go, woo. They know. So, I mean, I mean, you're a big guy. What's, what are your measurements? And I don't mean below the waist. That's the only measurement I know. The rest uh, of I it, bet. I don't know. Um, I like to ride around 200 pounds. And uh, what are you, six? When, when I'm really training for, you know, big matches and stuff, I'm around, I want to say 213, something like that. Just six feet, six one. When I got my boots on, I'm six two. Six two, two two twenty. Let's say at match time. I mean, if you get hit with a flare chop by you, it's gonna hurt, fake or not. Oh, it hurts. It, you can't fake it. There's no fake flare chop. It hurts. Yeah, I mean, you have to hit the guy. Yeah. I mean, Hornswoggle could do it, and it would probably hurt. Yep. And by the way, uh, this is you know, this podcast isn't all just jokes. Uh, this is a question I have for you. Uh, you know, the legendary wrestler uh, Mae Young is mm -hmm. said to not be doing very well. Right. Um, and I just want to know from your perspective, uh, will there be a custody battle with her and Mark Henry for the hand? <laughs> because, as you know, she gave birth to a hand. I, I have to check the dates on that. It, is the hand an adult yet? Well, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't seen it since the sketch, which probably was the greatest sketch of all time when they had, I don't know how old she was at the time. She had to be in her mid-70s. I think at that time, the time that she gave birth to that hand, I think she was about 340. Yeah. I mean, she... Uh, at least 10 years ago, right? She looked like a road map. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and she the, the legs are propped up, that the... The little thing covering her vagina is there, and the doctor looks and goes, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and pulls out a hand. She, uh, let's. We should give her credit. Someone who's been in in the game that long and still has the uh, interest and enthusiasm to come back and do things like that. That says a lot because there, you know, there's some people who would go, "Oh, this is beneath me. This is making right. a mockery of my business." Is it because? Your business is putting on shiny underwear and pretending to fight someone, so have some fun. Well, I think when she had one of the Dudleys do a power bomber, that was amazing. <laughs> An 80-year-old woman getting power bombed by, you know, a pretty big guy, and I think it was Bubba Dudley. And that's what I love about wrestling fans, is I actually know people who think uh, Bubba and Devon are actually brothers. It's like uh, I think they're twins, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it's like, hello, one's black. Uh, might not be what meets the eye. And then you got a little Spike Dudley. Spike Dudley. Who's a... bumping ability, I think, might be the best I've ever seen. I think my first ECW show I went to at the Agora in Cleveland, the main event 
maybe I think it was the main event or maybe right before the main event it was Rob Van Dam against Spike Dudley. And I cannot believe that he. I remember watching that as a teenager and thinking, how is this guy still alive? He's getting dropped with his back on the guardrail. He's getting thrown <laughs> into the crowd. Just and I thought, this guy, he's this guy's machine. I mean, the last thing I and he what what now what is he about? I'm guessing he was about maybe 160. Oh, I don't know. Uh, probably around there, but yeah. Maybe five nine. Maybe. When uh, Sid Vicious made his uh, debut in ECW and he took three power bombs, Spike Dudley did. It was like, wow, that's gotta hurt, man. Mm-hmm. What is the proper way to take a power bomb? Do you are you supposed? It seems like you almost try and like land with the, your shoulder blades almost. Uh, if you know that you're getting slammed into a mat. By a guy like Sid Vicious, who's six eight, three hundred pounds. Power bombs. Okay, there's some things that you can kind of make feel a little bit better. Everything hurts, no matter what. Blanket statement, all that stuff hurts. Power bomb and choke bomb or uh, choke slams hurt especially more. Just because I don't know. What because you're landing on your upper back. I mean, if it's done right. And uh, usually, you want it to. If you had a pick, do you want this to look good or do you want it to not hurt that much? Well, you want it to look good, so it's gonna hurt a lot, especially those two moves. Oof. Now, do do does the guy doing it like it say? Uh, and Scott Hall was gonna put someone in the razor's edge. Does he say basically what you just said? Does he say to the guy he's gonna do it to? Do you want it to feel a little less painful or do you want it to look good? Uh, I don't know about Scott Hall. I've obviously never. Uh grappled with Scott Hall, but I'm remembering times when I've been talking over a match and some, you know, we, you just kind of get a feel for it. If you've never taken the move before, like, oh, how, how do you do it? How should I land? The guy gives you advice. And maybe you'll say, don't worry, I'll, I'll be good. And then someone like me would probably say, no, 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 no kill me. Cause I want to, I would rather it look awesome and scare everyone. Then in fact, my first uh, FCW TV match, I remember I, I had a match with Big E Langston, who's now kicking ass. He's a big guy. Yeah. He was relatively newer, and I was new to WWE's system there. So I think it was, they're trying to see, can this guy make someone else look good? And at one point, he was going to throw me across from one corner, just throw me out in the middle of the ring. And I thought, this is my first time to make an impression on everyone here. And if my job right now is to get killed, then I'm going to get killed. <laughs> and so I remember he whipped me from one corner, and I landed... I went so far that I landed in the other corner, hit the ropes, and like, I was told that there's a collective gasp and screaming from in the back because everyone thought that I broke my neck. That's great. And I got back there, and the the doctor and everyone was on me like, "Are you okay? Are you okay? You have a concussion? Is your neck broke?" And I was just thinking, "Awesome, good first impression, great." And did uh, Biggie like when he Very, went o- over to do the next move? Did he like? Th- does he whisper like, "Hey, you all right?" Or? Yeah. He he does because he's a good guy. Some people don't, but some people wouldn't. Yeah, they would just go right into the next move. Biggie's very uh, safe, respectable uh, gentleman. So yeah, even in situations like that where you know you're throwing someone <laughs> into uh, twenty feet across the ring into a uh, in stiff ropes that hurt and landing in the turnbuckles, yeah, he picks you up and goes, "Hey, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Keep going. Okay, great." And the boys in the back, they they when you what was their reaction when you guys got back? Jesus Christ, we all thought you broke your neck and we're dead. Okay, sweet. Oh, so that in the wrestling world, it's like them saying good job. Uh, smart ones are saying good job. 
other ones. Because they're trying to kiss ass. Well, no, because they know it look good. Other ones are saying, oh, my God, is he really hurt? Now, let me ask you this. Like, I'm sure when there's a big match, a guy like, say, Kurt Angle wins, Sting, Hogan. There's, you should have a running counter of how many times you bring Sting up throughout your podcast. Well, I'm talking about Sting, the bass player from, <laughs> from the police. Okay. But here's the crazy thing. Sting, the wrestler, actually trademarked the name. So you would think, <laughs> you would think Sting, the bass player, would like... But he's a very smart guy, too. He's I, preoccupied with... He's with making a, money. He's a lot of stuff going on, yeah. Well, he does. He's a brilliant guy, though. I just read a fascinating article. See, we're going to talk a little bit about music now. Sure. Sting uh, never gave Puff Daddy permission to use Every Breath You Take for that Biggie Smalls tribute album, mm -hmm. or song. And so Sting gets 100% of the royalties. Great. I mean, he's got to be Jewish because only a Jew would work that angle. <laughs> but, uh, you know, speaking of music, well, let me get back to the thing. You threw me off with the Sting Zinger. I, you threw yourself off. Well, you're right because you asked me a question. I'll do the questions. You do the answers. This is a podcast where the tables turn. Tables are turned. Maybe that's the name of a new podcast you and I do. The tables are turned. Tables are turned. And we, we literally turn tables. But like when a respected wrestler wins a title, I, I imagine everyone's happy for them. Sure, and, yeah, uh, of course. You know, like say your brother uh, were, were to beat uh, CM Punk or CM Punk beats him. It's kind of a celebration yeah, afterwards. Uh, what do you think the feeling is? Because this guy's recently gotten into stand-up comedy. He's one of the nicest guys I know. But when David Arquette won the WCW championship... <laughs> What do you think the veterans felt? Do you think they felt like, what What have we been in this business for 25 years for? I, okay, I'll, I'll, two parts. One, I don't know, I wasn't around back then. I was watching as a fan. Well, you were probably eight years old. Very young little kid watching that, yeah. Uh, but I do remember when I was working in, in the uh, NXT uh, developmental system, I would remember things like that. I remember things like Carl Malone and all that stuff. And uh, when I would, a common critique I would get from certain uh, superiors of mine who weren't big fans of mine was that I don't take wrestling seriously enough. Because th when they said that, what do you mean? Like you, you didn't train hard enough? Or? I think they mean I was way more entertaining than the people they were favoring and trying to push. I gotcha. And so my, uh, yeah, they would, they would say, you know, you don't take this, I wish you would just take this seriously. And I remember thinking, I wouldn't say it out loud, but if I didn't take this seriously enough, I never would have made it here, nor would I still be here. Right. You're insane to say anyone here doesn't take this seriously enough. And I would say, you know, on the car rides there and back to the shows and whatever, you're with your friends, you can kind of trust, and that's when you can mouth off and talk about stuff. Like this? Yeah, it's kind of like this. And they would say, ah, so what was uh, so-and-so saying to you after your match? Well, they told me I don't take wrestling seriously enough. I guess... Uh, I, I, I guess David Arquette was never a world champion of your fake business that I don't take seriously enough. Give me a break. And this is someone who was in that company when that happened. Like, give me a break, man. Right. No, I gotcha. And uh, people I look up to, because you get, you get in your own head and you flip out. And if you're a pro wrestler who is making a living at it and you're traveling around and you're not going insane, then you're not doing it right, you know? So, uh... The times when I would have my flip outs and be like storming around the house or like pacing and go like losing my mind. I remember someone like uh, 
good good buddy who was nearby at the time, Damien Sandow, who's on TV now. He would say something like, there's nothing to get worked up about because when you look at this business and you look at what you do, what do you do each night? You put on shiny, colorful underwear and pretend to fight your friends in a ring in front of hillbillies. Okay, if that's all I'm doing, if that's what this business is, then I shouldn't get that worked up about it, you know? Plain and simple, I'm putting on shiny underwear and fake fighting my friends, so... Right. Am I not taking that seriously enough? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. By the way, that was my phone ringing uh, for you guys thinking that we're in some massive uh, Houston Space Center-like uh, facility. That and that's was... just guests calling to try to get booked on this show. That's just yeah. man. That was so. Uh, we're going to be able to take live callers. We're going to have uh, Riley on again w when we can take calls. But uh, for now, it's just me asking dumb questions and, uh, you know trying to get an insight into the world of what it's like being a pro wrestler i mean now is it tough with the wwe basically being the only game in town i mean it, it, yeah it is tough uh it's hard because if someone who's in charge happens to not like you for whatever reason and you get iced then where do you go you know there's i mean tna is not really an option is it uh it's it's an option but it's WWE is just so big and just has so much. I mean, if you want to make a living, that's where you want to be. TNA is doing, uh, in in my opinion, uh, some great things, bringing up some new talent uh, right now and kind of reinventing their brand. I think that's a great idea. I want that company to excel, and I want the best for that company because competition will breed uh, a lot of better things for this business, for sure, absolutely. No, I think it's the same way in the like MMA world. I mean, there's really uh, no uh, competition for the UFC, so mm -hmm. it's, it's and I don't think uh, WWE is too concerned with TNA right now. <laughs> so it's uh, kind of a bummer because I want to see Kurt Angle fight in big matches and right. a, a wrestler I won't name again. <laughs> Or a sting, or a, a or sting. sting, yeah, sting. I mean, I speak of the devil. I mean, I I think everyone wants to see Sting fight the Undertaker. I want to see Sting fight the other Sting. Oh, the fake Sting? No, the singer. Oh, right, that'd be a good WrestleMania. Maybe here's what you do: you have he Sting. Play, he plays him to the ring, maybe. You have Sting do the national anthem, <laughs> and he's singing, assuming. We are in the United States. He's singing, Sting from the police is singing God Bless America. All of a sudden, The Undertaker's music hits. Cuts Sting off, even though we're probably in the middle of three world wars right now. The ring goes dark. Sting's out cold. And The Undertaker's in the center of the ring. And then all of a sudden, there's a power surge. Like when Bobby the Brain Heenan said, Oh my God, we're having a power surge when The Ultimate Warrior came in. <laughs> And the Sting, Steve Borden, is in there, and they have a great match. I think it would be a great match, personally. You never know. You never know. Two veterans. They respect. I'm guessing they know each other. Probably. When uh, The Undertaker was mean Mark Calloway in WCW, wrestling the likes of Mr. Hughes. <laughs> The big black guy in the suit. He's kind of like a big black version of the big boss man. Hell of a suit. Well, it's, but see, that's when I was into WCW when you had, you know, stunning Steve Austin. You had Sting with the flat top. Uh, 
you know, uh, who, who else? I mean, Edge was in WCW. I mean, WCW had amazing talent. They were just, yeah, this guy sucks. I mean, Stone Cold was fired uh, via FedEx mm-hmm. by Eric Bischoff. So, but Eric Bischoff, if he is, and now you might beg to differ, I think the greatest swerve in wrestling history, other than Hulk Hogan joining NWO, was uh, when it was bequeathed to us that he was the minister during the Billy and Chuck Gay wedding <laughs> angle. I had no idea myself, but, you know, my head's in the... I mean, like... Billy and Chuck, another uh, tidbit of wrestling history that you're pretty fixed on. I'm fascinated by this whole, uh, you know... My dog's chewing on another Chewy, which isn't good for podcast noise. Uh, good, good for his teeth and his temperament. Oh, uh, this dog is the best. I mean, undefeated at Michael Vick's house, twelve and zero. Um, oh man, re- retired with the belt. Strange how everyone's just cool with him now. He's fine now. Yeah, that never I mean, happened. Not only did he finance the operation of uh, these dogs, he broke like six dogs' backs. So I thought the Eagles should have broke his back at the fifty-yard line when he got hurt this year, and they lost a few in a row. But it's probably too hardcore. In Michael Vick's defense, a lot of those dogs dressed like they wanted it, though. I heard he said. Well, I mean, here's the thing. When the cops stormed Michael Vick's house that day, they only wanted his dogs. There's hundreds of pit bulls running around. They didn't know which ones were his until they realized that his dogs were the ones running out of bounds before they got bit. Oh! Hey, hold on. We got a call. Uh, we got the Iron Mike Sharp calling in from Winnipeg. All right. Must be a bad connection. Call back, Iron Mike. He was the guy with the leather. Uh... Have him uh, maybe tweet tweet a question in. Well, I don't know if Iron Mike Sharp has a computer. He probably can't afford the uh, the dial-up fees. And, uh... There's always a library somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I used to go to West Hollywood Library and look at porn, but uh, it mm-hmm. kind of got onto my scam. So what is next for you in the wrestling world? You just did a show in Cleveland, right, over yeah, the holidays? Uh, it's my third time working uh, with AIW Wrestling in Cleveland. Um, I love wrestling at AIW. The crowds there in Cleveland are insane. I think Cleveland's a often overlooked great wrestling city. Uh I remember watching Tracy Smothers, Tracy Smothers wrestle. In, that is uh, your obsession, Tracy Smothers. I love Tracy Smothers, yeah. Uh, he was the Cleveland All-Pro heavyweight champion when my brother and dad and I used to go watch Cleveland uh, indie shows. And, and what years? I mean, like what? Did, oh, man, was I, it must have been eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere around there. So it's just, you know. Is that early 90s? Um, Mid-90s? Late 90s, maybe. Okay, whatever, you know. Late 90s, yeah, something like that. See, I remember seeing Tracy Smothers wrestle in XPW out here. And that was, I bet he was awesome. He was great. Uh, the, the production the values were n- not so great. Well, but. that's okay. Uh, not a lot of independent promotions have huge budgets. And I think AIW uses whatever meager budget I'm sure they have, and they put on a hell of a show every time I'm there. The, the place is packed. It's standing room only. They Where do they have it? Like uh, the, they have it in uh, what is the place Turner's Hall, which is I think like f- maybe five or six hundred total capacity that they're allowed to fit in there, and the place is usually packed and the fans nonstop the entire show yelling and cheering. 
So that is, you know, coming from touring around Florida with NXT where there's like 30 people in the crowd who are bored and mad that they're there to go there and wrestle with people that I respect and love, like Colt Cabana, Tracy Smothers, those kind of guys. Awesome, man. And I got to wrestle in the ring with Tracy Smothers at two different times, and that was incredible because there's someone I respected a lot from WWE, Dr. Tom Pritchard. And, uh, we He's made... a nutrition guy, right? No, no, no. He was, uh, he was one of the heavenly bodies. He was a head, head trainer there when I was there. Okay. And uh, he, I remember right when I met Tracy, I said, hey, hi, I'm, hello, Mr. Smothers. I'm Ryan Nemeth. And he said... <laughs> You're that kid from the Spirit Squad, right? <laughs> oh, Pete Gas. And I go, no, 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 that's my brother. And he goes, oh, you're his brother. Okay, great. And do you know Dr. Tom? And I go, yeah. And that was the once that connection was established, then he was like super cool to me, you know. And uh, something that I think guys in NXT right now aren't getting the the benefit of is wrestling against people like that. Because being in the ring with Tracy Smothers is worth eight months of training and and developmental i mean you learned so much just being with him in there about how to get the most out of the least amount right and how fans react to certain things and blah 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 blah. i don't know i'm not going to tell you all the secrets but well yeah i mean i don't want to get you blackballed out of the industry i'm pretty close as it is <laughs> well listen i don't think vince mcmahon's going to hear this uh, he might i mean it, listen it's crazy i mean it's crazier shows have made it he might not, but some of the people uh, who who didn't like me at that company probably will because they're obsessive. Oh, really? About scouring the internet for any kind of gossip. Well, good. Well, I'm not. That's why I'm trying to keep the questions within the boundaries of good taste. Oh, I mean, I, whatever you want, man. You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, I actually had a writer's uh, audition for the WWE that didn't go well, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, Perfect. so I have no love for the company. I mean, they basically flew me to Stamford, Connecticut, mm -hmm. and uh, they had seen my show at the Improv, and uh, they're like, "Hey, man, I, we we really liked your wrestling jokes. You know, uh, you know, can you give us an idea of a storyline? You know, you would, you know, you would do for us if we hired you." You like, pitched Undertaker's thing right away. I would. I got a great idea for a Four Horsemen reunion. This is right around the Evolution. I thought, no, here, what you do is, you know, each week. You know, you, you have uh, a mystery uh, guy come in, you know, under a hood. And, uh, you know, the final week on Vince McMahon's desk, you have a scorpion crawling around. Oh, my God. And then you have Flair leave Evolution, and he reforms the Horseman with Sting. And, you know, you could have Evolution against the Horseman. You bring the NWO was coming back around the same time. You could have had a great... But, you know, I think they went with, uh, I don't know, a Hornswoggle against, uh, I don't know, I don't know, Giant Gonzalez. Who the hell knows? Giant Gonzalez, yeah. Yep. Rest in peace. But So, they said, I said, listen, it's typical uh, bad guys winning the match for like 85%. All of a sudden, the good guy comes back, supernatural powers, hulks up, for lack of a better word, which is, this is when Hogan was not getting along with Vince, so that probably wasn't a good term to use. And they're like, uh, yeah, we're not really about that anymore. I'm like, what's the current, what's your like big storyline right now? And it was when Triple H was fighting uh, The Undertaker, and he didn't want, uh, The Undertaker wouldn't fight. It's very much like Rocky too. how Apollo Creed had to draw right, Rocky. right. 
So the Monday before the or the Raw before the pay per view, uh, Triple H is seen going to a cemetery, where he's going to unbury uh, this victim of a drunk driving accident caused by Kane. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you see is Triple H, uh, like simulating a, a, a sexual act with this girl in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they stop the tape. Everyone in the room looks at me, and I just go, guys, I don't think I'm right for this job because <laughs> I just don't think I could come up with something this wild. Perfect. I but, like this story. Well, it's a different era. No, 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 the story that you told. I mean, you they flew you there, and you tell them, nah, I don't know. I don't think so. No thanks. I mean, I just... Uh, I, I I mean I, I just grew up in a different like you know and, and your on stage uh, act is some would say vulgar and uh, graphic at times so for you to say I, I don't think this is for me that's a pretty big statement well I think I draw the line at necrophilia and okay uh, that's where it is that's where the line is yeah I mean this is pro wrestling I mean some of the the great I mean the WWE has had just some of the wildest characters ever uh, you know the junkyard dog just. <laughs> Some black dude with a choke collar on all fours. Uh, Virgil, the uh, house Negro, I guess you would say. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it, but I mean, that's what he basically was. I mean, Ted DiBiase's uh, house uh, servant. Um, you know, uh, Billy and Chuck was an interesting uh, angle. Uh Rico, the gay wedding planner. I mean, they've had some offbeat uh, mm-hmm. characters and storylines. So uh, I, I, I was bummed out because I, you know, thought I, I could work for the WWE, but it didn't work out. Now I have this podcast, we, and I think it's working out much better. I might be. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to make it. You, you know, fake it till you make it. You know, yeah. like I tell you at the gym. Yeah, you do tell me that. You know, uh, until I could put. 17 plates on the T-bar row. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I did five plates the other day, and I think I pulled uh, vertebrae four through seven. Well, those are the least used ones. What do you need those for? But see, to me, Just I like... Standing, walking, and breathing, but who does that? Right, not me. Uh, I don't want to look like John Cena. Like, he's got a great body. But I feel that if I lift the same amount of weights as he does... <laughs> That's good enough for me. It's all mental. I like to just put a lot of weights on the machines and stand near it. And so if you see me, I'll just go, oh, I'm just on a rest period right now. So you never know if I'm actually lifting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Fabio effect of doing one set per 48 minutes. You know, coming, moving out to Los Angeles, one of the top recurring incidents is seeing Fabio at the gym every day. I'm fascinated by Fabio. Because you see all these different actors, and you see much more famous and successful actors, but Fabio has that mystique about him where you... He's Fabio. He's freaking Fabio, man. (laughs) I mean, I I don't... Barely works out, kind of just walks around. He does like one set, literally every 48 minutes, then talks (laughs) to hot chicks. The hottest women, yep. And they all come to him. Because of the hair. But I admire him, because here's a guy, you know, most male models... Their career is dead by 24. Oh, this guy is... Yeah, he's... He's, he's in his 50s. Or late 40s at the, at the or, you know, youngest. And he still gets work. He's in a big movie now called Dumbbells. Dumbbells. Yeah, I just watched the trailer on uh, Hulu. Which my buddy wrote. 
which is kind of neat. My buddy is very, at the time, a very struggling uh, actor, and now he's you know got like tons of movies. This, that opened this weekend, yeah? That opened this weekend. Uh, by the time this podcast airs, it'll be uh, three years old, but I mean... <laughs> You know, go see Dumbbells, Netflix, On Demand, all that stuff. Go to see Dumbbells wearing a Briley Pierce t-shirt. Right. And then where can they get those t-shirts? ProWrestlingTees.com slash Briley. If you have to put a sports jacket over it because you want to look nice at the movie, th- that's fine. Just keep the t-shirt on, right? Right. And I have no merchandise to plug. Uh, yet. Yet, but I'll just sell you some t-shirts I have in my closet. Uh, a lot of hockey jerseys. A lot of hockey jerseys, a lot of 80s metal t-shirts. I think you should open a store on ProWrestlingTees.com. I think this podcast might do well. Well, you never know, though. My uh, friend Ari Shafir has uh, had the number one comedy album on iTunes, and he, he basically, his initial uh, burst of success was from his uh, podcast. So, But the problem now is there's so many bad podcasts out there. Yeah. You know, right. because everyone can do them. I mean, my setup is fairly complex. But literally, mm-hmm. you could have a podcast tomorrow if you just bought a little handheld recorder and two mics. I don't know what to talk about. I don't think I want to do that. But see, I've always wanted to do a talk show. And I wanted to view, interview people like you who should be and will be more famous. Like, I want to interview people before they've popped. Well, if Ghost Puncher takes off. And Ghost Puncher is the movie with... Uh, Ghost Puncher is a, uh, a forthcoming film starring... Oh, can you say who's in it? I'll say who's in it. Well, I, I don't know who's in it, so you're going to have to. Johnny Nitro, John Morrison uh, of WWE fame. Johnny Nitro. I lo- he, was, he was on Tough Enough, you're talking about. He was on one of those seasons of Tough Enough. But was he a contestant? Yeah, he. I think he won it. I think him, he won it with uh, someone. Well, he's else. amazing. So, yeah, he's I mean, incredible. So uh, it's an action comedy shot all in 3D. Johnny Nitro. Wow. It's, a, it's about a character... Uh, an action hero who uh, frees ghosts from their uh, limbo state on, 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 in our realm by punching them and punching their heads off. And what is your role in this? My role is that I, uh, I contributed as a writer, and also I play one of the ghosts. <laughs> okay, hey, listen. I mean, there's no role too small. No way. And, uh, yeah, so I'm out here in L.A. trying, of course, continuing to wrestle, but trying to get more involved with writing. And uh, that was one of the first things that I was able to do here. So I think hopefully that's the first of many. I've been doing a couple other little things here and there. So that's where the money's at, right? I, I hope so, right? Well, I mean, I actually did a comedy show. Well, with you Johnny. never hear of a poor writer, right? Or a poor artist? They're well, always loaded. Well, I mean, not in this town. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot of dogs looking for scraps in this town. Yeah. I did a comedy show once with Johnny Nitro. He I was, heard, heard about that. That's where we first met. He was, uh, the, I guess, like the celebrity host, and uh, you know, I I was the headliner. No big deal. Of course, I mean, it's no big deal. I'm not bragging. And uh, there was like six people in the crowd by the time I got up, and uh, I just looked at him and said, uh, "Now I know what wrestling in TNA is like." And uh, he laughed, and then uh, <laughs> I, that was it. And now I see him at the gym. And to show you the difference between guys like you, Johnny Nitro, and me, is I saw him doing these shoulder exercises with 30-pound dumbbells. And it was just some weird, almost calisthenic-type mm-hmm. uh, 
shoulder rotator cuff deal and i thought oh that doesn't look that hard probably something you'll see on his his workout dvd out of your mind fitness and let me tell you i i i'm impressed with your workouts and johnny nitro does those plyometric like jumping off the sides of buildings and he, he is an action hero he really is he's like watching jet lee in a movie but he's just at the gym working out yeah and he's a super nice guy yeah I mean, one of the that's why I think I bonded with you. Your brother's a great dude, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And I don't think we mentioned who your brother is, but the, the great Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler, yeah. Is yeah. Uh, you know, and of course, when I first met him up at the comedy store, my at con uh, my comment to him was, "You remind me of a young Sting." So there you go. <laughs> Perfect. He reminds me of an, a much older Ric Flair. Why well, I, I said uh, Old, much older. Well, well, yeah. Well, I mean, Ric Flair now, it's it's kind of rough for me to see. I mean, it's just like, I love Ric Flair, but he's got like liver spots on his forehead. He was with him on his birthday this year, and uh, I think that was one of the first times I met him. He came to one of the NXT shows. He walked his daughter out to the ring, managed her, and the, the little role he had in our show, just, you know, walking around, managing her, and kind of whatever. I was just watching him still get the most out of everything he did, and I was thinking, this guy... Even in this little bit that I'm this close up to see, you can tell there's just decades of experience and knowledge. Even in the tiny little bit he does, this guy, yeah. Oh, he's the best ever. I mean, there is no one. I mean, if you're ever down in the dumps and you want to feel better about yourself, you just YouTube a Ric Flair video from the 80s, his little speeches... And, oh, my God, this is crazy. We we are at, like, the 50-minute mark. Time flies. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, most... Po- well, you keep going is what right. you do. And uh, You pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You fix your eyebrows. Make them look nice and straight. You put a little gel in your hair. Rinse your mouth out with some... Actually, I take that back. We're, we are at an hour and five minutes. I don't know how to read the uh, my uh, Zoom recorder. So, uh-huh. you know... Uh, most podcasts are good for about the first 10 minutes. I think this was good for about the first 13, and then <laughs> we've just been off the rails. We but, started off slow, and then we tapered off from there. I no, no. I mean, I appreciate you coming down. I know, Thanks for having me. I know doing this podcast was uh, right up there on your uh, bucket list with uh, getting fisted by the great Kali. Yeah, well, that's the only two things on my bucket list. Who is the biggest wrestler you've ever, like, in terms of height and weight, ever wrestled? Um, they, they don't have to be known. It's just, like... I think... Who's bigger between Mason Ryan or Eric Rowan, one of the... Uh, in the Wyatt family, the, the giant guy who looks like a... Oh, Viking. the uh, go to, like, the Duck Dynasty guys. Wrestled those guys many, many times. I had a couple singles encounters with... Uh, singles matches with Eric Rowan. And... I had a very memorable uh, little match with Mason Ryan. I think those are probably the two biggest guys I've wrestled against. No, it's Mason. He's the leader, right? I mean, I don't follow Mason it. Mason Ryan is not in the Wyatt family. He was uh, he was on Raw for a little while. He's he's in NXT again. He's he looks like a younger, bigger Sting. Batista. Okay, and Batista's coming back, by the yeah. way. Next, uh, now that will be interesting to see his physical appearance because when he was last in WWE, he was a pretty big guy. Uh, and then yeah. he did MMA, and I think uh, once he figured out uh, that MMA, like it's, it's kind of like uh, you get pun- you get punched in the face, but for real, it, maybe WWE is not so bad after all. <laughs> not so bad. But he was uh, dropped a lot of weight, 
So I'll be interested to see uh, what his uh, overall physical because he, you know, his whole character was the animal, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I don't, uh, you know, he's an older guy too for a wrestler. He's like what early forties, late thirties maybe. He's up there somewhere. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but I mean, I'm forty five, so he's you not know. a spring chicken. I know that, right? So I mean, uh, I would say that his window of opportunity for maybe a championship run is now. If, I mean, they seem to be bringing him back with great fanfare. Yeah. Like, so I'm sure he'll be. uh... What I'm trying to say to you is, do you think the drug testers will be given the next few weeks off? A nice vacation. I. We don't want to go there. No, I'll say that the amount of times I would come into training or a show and have someone ask me to pee and provide my license and pee in front of them, the guy watching the pee come out of my wang. I mean, like, that's how they're, they're not taking any chances here. Was it Pat Patterson? Uh, no. Pat uh, Patterson, hell of a karaoke singer, by the way. Oh, I bet he is. But, you know, he tries to do karaoke at Jamboree's. I don't know if they're, uh... Hey. Hello. Just kidding, but guys. He, uh, but for all the crazy amount of drug testing I got put through... And then I, when I saw The Rock come back, and I was just thinking, oh, he, he's got that really good protein... Powder. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's on the uh, Joe Weeder. Really good protein powder, yeah. Well, I remember when you know I used to I have buy. I a feeling that Batista will be just fine. I guess. Oh yeah, okay, I got you. Well, listen, like I said, I don't want to burn bridges here uh, with anyone. You know, it's easy for me to sit here and talk. Uh, you know, ask wild questions when I'm I'm not a pro wrestler. You know, it'd be like you're not, you're not a pro wrestler yet. I mean, I could be probably at the age of forty-five. It's a little late in the game for me, but uh, you know, never say never. Maybe I could um, turn the tables. Well, I'd like to be, uh, you know, maybe a manager, you know, maybe walk out. And, I can see that. You know, talk shit to the crowd and, mm-hmm. and you know, just go nuts. Get and, all the ladies riled up, getting bras and panties thrown at you from the, 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 yeah, yeah. the sex stuff ladies. I do like the, the Rick Rude, uh, hey, cut the music. Uh, so, well, I mean, listen, th- this has uh, been a wild. We're going to have you back for more. I mean, like the rat oh, song yeah. says, back for more. <laughs> I mean. I was you, just thinking about rat. For some reason. Well, I, I think you... Oh, my God. Rats. Uh, that's I, The singer's biography is on my desk. Yep. Rat and roll. My life in rock. Sex, sex, drugs, rat and roll. My life in rock. I saw the singer play at the Whiskey A Go-Go last Friday night. Mm, I think you tweeted about that, maybe. Well, what was really cool, and I hope this guy doesn't mind me mentioning he was there, but um, about the second song in, this very tall guy starts standing next to me, and he looks really familiar. And it was Olympic athlete and one of the greatest soccer players in U.S. history, Alexi Lalas. Oh, I was hoping it was Michael Phelps. I Well, maybe he was there, too. Michael Phelps was probably there. I mean, you know, it was just neat for me to see someone like Alexi Lalas, medalist. I, I think the U.S. soccer team won uh, something in the Olympics. And that's what gives him the edge, that they have guys like this who are fans of Rhett. And, like, he was doing the devil horn thing. <laughs> and, like, when Stephen Pierce, he's like, we're going to bring it home now. And they started singing round and round. Here is this Olympic athlete, like, just being a fan. And it was, like, so neat for me. You know, I, I you don't get to see, like, guys like you, Johnny Nitro. That's like me when I went to see Lady Gaga, probably. Right. I mean. Just going nuts, singing every word. Were you there? Uh, I saw her in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. It was... And what chick were you trying to bone that you took to the concert? Or did you go with your brother? 
I went with my brother to see Marilyn Manson one time. That was a good time. I mean, it's not my thing, but uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and now do you guys get mobbed? I mean, you guys must get recognized. Um, I used to get recognized a lot in Louisville and in Florida, but not really so much. As it turns out, Hollywood's not a big uh, wrestling town, so. I mean, it's funny. I think a lot of wrestlers come out here to make it in the world of acting or, or yeah. writing and, and right. producing. But, uh, you know, although they do quite well at Staples when they play here, it, it's there's so many entertainment options. I think wrestlers in Los Angeles are like hockey players. They're, yeah. You know, they're they're great athletes, and but I think they almost like to live here because of the certain anonymity that you get here. I remember being in Chicago and my brother came to visit and he he was just kind of getting going as Dolph Ziggler. And I remember we were standing on the corner of Halstead somewhere. We just ate maybe. And a guy walked down the street, looked at him, and kind of walked away, then looked at him again and, and just goes, tell me you ain't Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> Motherfucker, tell me you ain't that Dolph Ziggler guy. And you know, he's like, what, I am him. What do you, I don't know. Yeah, what do you want me to do? Yeah, I, I ain't him. And now when, when you get guys, fans like that, uh, you know, do, do you... Guys. I used to get, uh, in Louisville, I would be uh, asked for autographs, and then when I would give it, they would get disappointed because they all thought I was Evan Bourne. <laughs> well, I mean, who wouldn't be uh, disappointed with that? Uh, right, right. They thought I was either Evan Bourne or Cody Rhodes. And I, I here I am that. thinking, oh, great, they know me from OVW-TV, but no, they don't. They thought I was someone else. Okay. <laughs> so I get people coming up to me asking me if I'm gold dust, but I mean... <laughs> Well, that's probably in the steam room at your gym. Oh, well, I mean, my steam room at the gym is uh, it's out of control. I mean, I had to join. I'm a member of one gay gym, and then I had to join another one just because the first one was so out of control. I thought, all right, this one has more rich people here. It won't be quite as illicit. It's a and, common theme being you prefer to work out at gay gyms. Well, I mean, I live in a gay na neighborhood. Uh, I am not gay. Not, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh my uh, buttocks are like the 405 North, uh, no southbound lanes. Uh, but uh, traffic joke, right? Right, that's that 405 uh, freeway in Southern California, and mm -hmm. um, you know. But I, my, I, I have to work out at gay gyms because I live in a gay neighborhood. And you like the flattery, also. I, you know, I don't. I think it's a vibe I uh, throw out there that uh, I think most gay men look at me and go, "This guy's not one of us." <laughs> He's not one of us. I mean, I'm the only guy at my rich person's gym uh, who works out in, like, you know, rat T-shirts and, like, you know, uh, skateboard shorts and, like, you know, you know, I'm on the Jacob's Ladder machine with my ass sticking up in the air. And, uh, you know, it's like the Taj Mahal for gay men. They, they like, want to enter. But, you know, I think that's a good way to end the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, so... Uh, Riley, Riley, you're a man of a thousand names. Yeah. A anything you want to plug? Any I know you just got back from Cleveland wrestling over the holidays. You any any wrestling gigs coming up? Uh, if you follow me on Twitter at Hot Young Briley, every single thing I ever do is on there. I keep a Tumblr, uh, Ry dot Tumblr dot com. But uh, whenever I put a thing on there, I tweet it. So at Hot Young Briley is the best way to find. Anything I write or sell, t-shirts, pictures, all that stuff. And where can people get the pictures? Do you have like uh, th that same uh, pro wrestling? Follow me on Twitter, and if you want signed stuff, I usually tweet 
the website or spe- I, have, I can do special things like sign. I things. bet me and Dolph wrestling each other and get him to sign stuff too when I see him. So yeah, and please don't uh, resell the pictures on eBay. Uh, just have some class. I mean, no, that, yeah, that's cool. Okay, I right, then we're, just pay me for it first, and pay- then then you can go ahead and sell. That's okay. Right, if you're gonna resell the pictures of Riley and his brother, just PayPal Earl Skakel at e <laughs> e Skakel at AOL for being a conduit into getting the deal done. And, uh, you know, buy his T-shirts one more time at that site. Uh, com slash Briley. And my Twitter is at HotYoungBriley. Yeah, let's help this young WWE superstar make it in this business of wrestling. It's very similar to the world of comedy. You, you, it's all about what the fans want. So if you guys tweet on on my uh, Twitter thing at at Earl Skakel, E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. And then you tweet on Riley's Twitter and we WWE sees this. They're like, who's this guy? He's got all these followings. People want to see him. We'll get him. Let's get this young up-and-coming comic some followers, too. Well, I don't know about young, but I'm certainly upcoming. Uh, Believe me, I just took a Hot Rod 5000 pill. So, um, guys, thank you. We're going to future guests include WCW champion David Arquette coming in town to the Earl podcast center we got ufc legend don fry who literally fought in the first few ufcs when guys were coming to the octagon and t-shirts and hoodies uh, so look for that uh, the major uh, stars coming into the earl skakel podcast center all to entertain you folks out there in america and canada and and beyond even and canada even canada Whoa. i got a big following in canada vancouver What's up, canada toronto i know the heart foundation is from uh uh, Calgary, and, Stu, uh, legendary Stu Hart. And, so uh, easy at Sparks. That's a very uh, successful up-and-coming female wrestler. I, yeah, and who was the female wrestler you introduced me to the one night at the Improv? Uh, at the Improv, we were seeing who? Colin Kane, uh, Serena, Serena Deeb of the Straight Edge Society. You met her. Right, right. She was a very nice lady. Uh, so look for her at upcoming appearances. And uh, guys, that's it. Uh, this is Earl Skakel signing out. Just reminding everyone, if you think you can do it, you probably can. So quit. <laughs>